Hello and welcome to the Feel Alive podcast. I hope you're all feeling alive today. I'm your host Eetu Karioja and this is the first interview that we're going to do. And today I have a guest from Germany. He, his name is Matthias, Matthäus, Matthäus, <laughs> Matthäus <laughs> Rudolf. And he's a sixth semester psychology student, as I said, from Germany. And today we're going to be talking about um, meditation, spirituality, psychology, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So welcome. Welcome Hello. to the show. Welcome <laughs> to the very first show. Yeah, nice to be here. So how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, just had a coffee and <laughs> <laughs> ready yeah. to buzz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So maybe we should start with your um, your education. Mm-hmm. So you're a sixth semester psychology student. Yeah. And where is this exactly in Germany? Uh, in Jena. In It's Jena. Like in the middle of Germany. Not so big. Just hundred thousand people in the town, and yeah. Quite a nice place. Many students, <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah. a student city. Yeah, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, why did you become a psychology student? What did you? What drew you into that? Actually, um, it was kind of coincidence. <laughs> so, I was in Australia traveling before, and uh, um, I thought about studying psychology before, but actually, I wanted to go for medicine, and then. The deadline for medicine is like before um, all the others, and I was still traveling, so I couldn't do medicine. And then I did psychology, yeah, which was mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So a bit of a bit of a uh, coincidence or a miracle. Yeah. yeah. So how have you liked it so far? Uh, it was wonderful, really. In the first lectures, I sat in there and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really nice." Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like, um, how have you, um, like, why did this like medicine? You you wanted to help people, or was mm-hmm. that your? Yeah, I think that's the basic thing. But also, like, some pressure from the family, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also in there, so I'm glad that I didn't do it because I think I'm better in whatever being empathic and helping people this way rather than, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, psychology and meditation. Mm-hmm. I kind of see a similarity, <laughs> or at least like a, yeah. some kind of a line that they're uh, they're out there together. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. In 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 academia, what do people think when you say you practice meditation, or is that even a subject in the field of psychology? Um, uh, depends where you are in your studies. I think in the early studies, not, not so much. Um, but later, uh, when you come, when it comes to therapy and stuff like this, then uh, you will, I think, get in touch with meditation because it's a method also used in therapies, and you can use it for your psycho hygiene. So take care about your own mental health, and yeah. And now there's a lot of research going on about it, and yeah, works quite well. <laughs> okay. Mm. Actually, I would like to hear more about that. Like, how um, how is the academic world like related to meditation? Is it just purely scientific, or are they looking at the spiritual aspects of it, or or how how does it like um, relate to our well being or something like that? Mm. Well. Like the first time I got in touch with meditation in my academics was in a course I had here. It was called Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And um, there the basic idea is like that suffering is a part of human existence. Like you will maybe whatever, lose your relatives, you will feel lonely at some point, you will um, face death or other stuff. Um, And um, that it's inevitable. Inevitable, yeah, yeah. yeah. Inevitable, inevitable. Yeah. And um, the idea is that you create most of the problems yourself by trying to avoid the suffering and trying to avoid these experiences, which cannot really be avoided. And then um, through meditation, you can come back to those and you get out of your mind, which is usually creating a much bigger 
problem out of what is actually there. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but you weren't introduced to meditation in academia, no? No. Okay, <laughs> well, what yeah. about that story? Where did, where did meditation come? Where did you hear it? Like, I think um, most people listening to know at least the word meditation, but how did you come to learn about it? Um, I learned about it when I was traveling in Australia. Uh, it was in Byron Bay. And there was just, I saw a flyer, like meditation course for free. And then I went there and this guy had like little, like a little necklace with 55 stones. And you just repeated a mantra. Like this was the first thing I did. Um, um, Gopala, Govinda, Rama, Modana, Mohana. <laughs> and you said this again and again and again. And then you went back the chain and yeah, was my first experience with meditation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was this like, it's just a one day course or? Yeah, it's just one day, but this was so easy. You could like do it on your own. And one day I sat at the beach by myself and just did it. And I had a like crazy nice experience, like kind of had really memories, which I didn't have for a long time from my childhood popped up. And I got through, through the beginning when I was born. It was really powerful. And since then, I just practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've been doing it for three years now, roughly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is it like a certain kind of meditation? Because maybe we should, you know, address this mm -hmm. quickly. Like, because I think there are like tons of ways mm -hmm. to do meditation and different techniques. So... What's your path on that? Like, how did you, you started with the peats or the, yeah, the yeah. necklace thing? And, <laughs> and yeah. what are you doing? Like, or what are you doing now? And what you've been doing in between? Maybe you should tell about that mm. a little. Yeah, now I do um, Zen meditation. So it's basically just you sit and face a wall and watch your breath. And you can do some breathing methods, but it's not like necessary. And um, yeah, this is quite about being simple, like about just seeing the world as it is and um, seeing the beauty in the things and not getting caught up in thoughts so much. And yeah. And before that, I was um, in Ireland and there I did a lot of Tibetan Buddhist meditation, like um, guru yoga, where you imagine like a guru, like the Dalai Lama or whatever, mm -hmm. and you like exchange um, energy with them or however you say it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Connect with a guru yeah. in some way, <laughs> in mental way. Yeah. Okay, like, um, you know, for, you know, I practice meditation and you know what mm -hmm. it's all about, but maybe um, maybe you in your own words could describe something that, what is the difference between a person who has never meditated and someone who has, like, what is the, um, I guess this goes to psychology as well, like, what mm -hmm. are the building blocks? that is building us or what, what makes us who we are and mm -hmm. how can the meditation process, um, how can it, how can we learn more about what we are mm -hmm. through meditation? Um, well, these were a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe start with a person who is like, meditating and a person who's not meditating it's always hard to to say if there's a real difference because i think some people are just very present from their being just maybe they don't need to meditate that much um but in general i can only talk about my past self maybe when i was not meditating i was just a lot in my mind and i had a lot of worries and had problems like sleeping in at night stuff like this mm -hmm. um and a lot in the future in the past and person that meditates may be more aware of the present, just what's happening right now, and therefore also better able to react to what's happening right now, which is like the most important thing because everything is happening in the present, not in the past, not in the future, but only here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. the presence of mind, like there's more room for, for what's going on instead of mm -hmm. thinking about the past or thinking about the future. Yeah. Okay, so how do you think, how do you personally find this changed for you? Like before you started and where you are right now, like, are you a different person? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. When I look back at my past self, I'm not, I'm not so happy with it. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I paid attention too many things which are which I wouldn't consider that important right now, like 
how many Instagram likes I get or <laughs> something <laughs> like this, <laughs> which is not necessarily a bad thing, but like, um, yeah, values change and also how I relate to people. I'm much better able to listen to people, for example, or to do this podcast with mm. you. And I don't think mm. what I have tomorrow for lunch. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it helps you focus on what's at hand instead yeah. of. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. that I I think anyone listening might, you know, find it beneficial for mm-hmm. I think anyone to to be able to do that. And actually, that's an interesting said. You said something about uh, changing your values. Mm-hmm. Now. I think that touches upon the spiritual, the spiritual aspect of it, or the spirituality. Mm-hmm. As we know, meditation has been like a practice in many religions, and maybe maybe we should address this um, the question about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think many people might be a bit, or from my experience, I feel that people might be a bit, um, maybe even scared. Mm-hmm. to try meditation because they feel that if they have this experience of something they're going to be religious or <laughs> they will you know something will happen to them you know mm. something will have to change so um how do you think uh, or can you maybe talk about the link between spirituality and meditation what are those things what does it mean to you what have you witnessed? Mm. Well, that's really hard for me because, like in in Zen, the idea is just to be, and there's not there's not religion really. Zen is not a religion because you're just there and you try not to cling to any belief. Like, so if you ask me, like how meditation changed my values, it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit tricky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a tricky tricky question in a way that, um, well, what about the spiritual aspect or the value change? Have you met like resistance or people who are like, what are you with all that? Or you're sitting quietly in a room or you're staring at a wall? Yeah. Like, what is that all about? Like, are you are you crazy or something? <laughs> like, like do do you meet this or you know have you have you heard this? from someone or yeah like sometimes but it's also i spend a lot of time like with students and younger people maybe who are really quite open-minded so i've also faced a lot of like positive feedback Mm -hmm. but um yeah for me it's also quite you know it's quite strange to say okay sometimes the most beautiful in the world that i can imagine is just sit in front of a wall for one hour Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yeah it's really really strange yeah and um yeah, I think sometimes people, when um, when I talk to people who didn't do meditation before or who just tried it once, they um, say like it's boring, or which is a judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But maybe also they're like not not yet um, ready for it, or I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the problem there? Like um, from my experience and like your experience has Mm -hmm. been that it's beneficial and it's something that is worth practicing. Mm -hmm. Uh, What might hold people back from experiencing this benefit? Or is it something Mm -hmm. that is just not for everybody? Or what do you think? Is it it a universal thing or is it just that they have some stuff that blocks them from having the experience maybe? That's a really good question. Um, Yeah. I think it's can it can also bring up painful stuff, which is maybe because maybe why people are maybe scared of it because you get in touch with your emotions a lot, also with emotions you didn't allow yourself to feel for a long time. So it's not always nice and uh, it can and in the beginning it can feel that you actually think more um because you're actually getting aware of your thoughts. So people might think, "Oh, I can't do meditation. It's not for me." But actually, it was a step in the right direction. So that what that's what I found very often. I think this thought thing, and also the idea that it's about getting rid of thoughts and emotions, which is not the case because all your life you will have thoughts and emotions. There's no way around it. And meditation is no like um, permanent happiness creator. <laughs> Maybe also people expect a lot from it because usually when you invest something, you get something out of it. Um, 
like in sports or something. But in meditation, that's not the case. It's not linear. And it's really um, confusing sometimes, even for me. Sometimes I'm like, after three years, I'm caught up in there like, for, for a whole day. And yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, actually, I think that's a very important like uh, point to make mm-hmm. that it, you know, I think people are kind of caught up with many things like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to, you know, solve everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we know, life is not that way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's ups and downs from, well, you know, I guess whatever you do, mm-hmm. you're going to have emotions. You're going to have better days and worse days and, mm-hmm. you know, so, but actually, um, that's that's something important. I think what you said about maybe it brings about like um, unwanted emotions or mm-hmm. something that you have kind of put aside or never faced or processed. So, in this sense, thinking about psychology and thinking about like mental health and well-being, uh, we were talking about this a bit in the earlier section, but. What do you think is the potential of like meditation and you know becoming self-aware in um, in self-healing, or how how important do you think it is for anyone to be well with themselves to actually be wholeheartedly who they are and you know mm-hmm. face those emotions? As a psychology student, you must have like an uh, idea about you know suppressed emotion and how they influence us. So do you see like uh, something that's connected, like meditation, mental health, mm-hmm. something they could help each other in there? Yeah, definitely. I think um, mental health is not always about feeling happy and feeling good. I think it's about also being able to move on, even if you have pain, even if you're scared. Um, just if you imagine that you have an exam coming up, uh, for example, and um, you really want to do this exam, but when you want to do it, there's also much fear coming because you're going to do it. But being with this fear and being with all these emotions, I think this is what meditation has to offer. Um, even if you might not like what you will find, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, you can develop more and more acceptance. So like your container is getting bigger um, for all these emotions and for all these thoughts and for um, self-pitying or self-blame, which is, I think, a huge problem because we are usually quite harsh on ourselves because we live in such a perfectionist culture where you always have to, like, um, yeah, um, be mm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to, you have to be, and and I think it's, uh, in in my culture at least, you know, talking about emotion, mm-hmm. talking about like how we are really doing, there seems to be a, like a a big um, threshold to cross or like in a day-to-day life when we go to school and see people and everything, it's, you know, sometimes really hard to bring, bring about the, like the emotional state we might mm-hmm. be feeling. And, as, you know, it's, I think it's easier to show, you know, I'm doing really well, <laughs> but when there's something that's, up, you know, coming up that's not so so good. It it's harder to talk about it, and I don't know if people are less receptive of that either, mm-hmm. or, or as well. And you know, it's um, it's it's tricky sometimes. So um, just to talk about psychology a little more, and your mm-hmm. view on the academic view, like what have you heard? Uh, what have you learned in your years now? Um, about the like the psychic health or like the mental health of people, how has it like opened up your view of those things, or were you very aware of that before you went to study psychology, like um, mental health issues or anything? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about like what's your experience in that, like yourself personally, or something that you have seen, you know, in your life. Mm-hmm. I think like in the, in the first years during my studies, you first encounter all the basic stuff like social psychology and personality psychology. So it's not so much about like um, clinical aspects, but then I just had 
back home in Germany, one course in clinical psychology where we learned about all the disorders and what might happen. And um, um, I think there's a huge change right now because um, in the old system, how like all you have like depression and you have all the symptoms listed and then you categorize people according to their symptoms and according to their suffering. Um, but I think there's more a, a trend right now that is, goes back to to not making a huge differentiation, but um, looking for universal causes for suffering. For example, the need to be in control of everything or something like that could cause anxiety, could cause obsessive compulsive disorder and things like this. So it's getting more back to the universal aspect. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's actually, that's actually very interesting because uh, something I wanted to ask you is that... Um, have you seen like something that has kind of that puzzles you in the academic world? Like, um, do you see that there is um, um, any problems that there might be concerning like how how the um, scientific world maybe views the person or people or the mm-hmm. pro- their problems? Yeah, I mean. I have a I have a personal problem with this trend of quantification, like quantificate everything, and this what what you can observe is true and stuff. I mean, it's a good approach, and science is doing really good at it. But um, at one point, personally, I think it's it's really specific. So you have so many journal articles nowadays, and like we have so much knowledge, and it's so specific, and a layperson could not understand it. So. Um, there's um there's this problem maybe that it's losing a bit touch with the human side sometimes and um also it's not accessible for the public really what i think is a huge problem maybe people also wouldn't have time for it but it's could be beneficial to um yeah to get in touch with the scientific side of your mind yeah mm-hmm. yeah um about the the studies, the information, because mm-hmm. uh, there is so much of it mm-hmm. these days. Yeah, I, I think for me personally, as you said, like the scientific method of quantifying and measuring things, I think it's in certain ways like the best tool we have mm-hmm. to process certain information. But I think really there needs to be some kind of a new discussion, in my opinion, like who quantifies it? Mm-hmm. with what basis and and what is actually de- derived from that yeah. because that is always um it depends on like how you look at it i mean you can you can kind <laughs> yeah. of twist sim- yeah. you know similar things or you know you have the similar statistic and there's two people with t- two different worldviews they might mm-hmm. be seeing just you know they see the same numbers but they see different significance yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of interesting. So, um, so w- in your in your point of view, like, um, is there like because I think this is this is something that we were talking about or touching upon spirituality and maybe religion, and then the scientific method, mm-hmm. like. Um, what do you think about like the connection or how do you feel the academic world, the scientific world is, um, what is the re- its relation to, to spirituality, to like experiential things? Is there a, is there a way to mix those two or are they separate for, for eternity? Personally, I think they fit really good together. Um, because like on the one hand you have this beautiful way of science how you gather information which is quite working good and which is quite reliable um but then uh we all know if this information are not used with the right intention and with the right basis let's say a basis is having a compassionate heart and using it for the good of humanity and not for your ego so um I think like spirituality can really help creating and this intention and science can help like gathering the information. Um, maybe that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like uh, that there is, there is a way to study spirituality scientifically. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. What uh, would that look like? Do you have an idea of a uh, study that you could maybe do? Yeah, I know. I know just one study where they compared like people who were like spiritual and non-spiritual people, and they looked like at their um, at their well-being in general. The spiritual people had the higher well-being, and then the question was why. Okay, do they get support of God or what's what's going on? Mm. And what they found was really interesting is was that um, this relationship between spirituality and well-being was mediated by kindness. So spiritual people are more kind towards other people, maybe also towards themselves, which I think is really important for your well-being, and therefore they feel better in general. So um, you can you can make really nice explanations with science about um, spirituality and yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I guess we should still um, or something I want to maybe try to go deeper or mm-hmm. something that we should talk about is is the definition of spirituality mm-hmm. I mean um, I think you know I asked this in the in the pre-interview form from you mm-hmm. and I think I agree with you that spirituality is very broad. Like yeah. it's it's a really wide uh wide area and I think it can mean many things. But maybe um what does it mean to you personally? What what do you think is spirituality? Mm. <laughs> also mm-hmm. so many things. Um I think it's a sense of freedom also for me. Um gives me a sense of detachment from my thoughts and just being in touch with reality as it is, which is really um, important to me. And um, also about compassion, like how you relate to yourself and other people. And um, in general, that's also what I wrote in the interview. Like that's a definition I found in a book, but I think it's quite fitting that it's like dealing with your own consciousness. Um, that is like spirituality and looking what's arising there and like, critically analyzing um, what's happening and what you conclude from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe you could call call it to be like your worldview or? Mm. Like when you asked me what is spirituality for me, my mind was really empty because usually spirituality for me is just being there, just, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just not having beliefs, not having a worldview. Like that's what's for me about and being open towards anything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So presence. 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 Yeah. yeah. Mm. That <laughs> is actually uh I think it's uh it might be a hard thing to achieve or contain for mm-hmm. many people. Yeah. I I think that you know for certain people these topics are not like easily accessible mm-hmm. because there's so much noise from the mind and we're so used to just living in the realm of thought yeah and yeah. i think that's really like uh if you ask me i asked you before about the the meditation or the meditator versus the non-meditative mm-hmm. meditative p- people you know i think um for at least some people it just seems that the whole idea is just impossible to understand like how can i be without a thought yeah how can i be without that and maybe from that i i would like to ask you about the ego mm-hmm. you were talking about that before so maybe for someone who has never heard this before what would you explain uh, people have an ego what is that what does it mean mm. an ego is kind of a false sense of self maybe and um usually ego is referred to in, on a thought level so you have this i in your mind and you think i am mateus i can play piano i can uh listen good to others and stuff like this and then you put all these attributes and create an i which has these attributes um and i think you just do it in order to be safe just in order to have something you can hold on and which gives you some sense of identity and security um and i don't say like that i I don't think that the ego is always bad uh and i always try to be compassionate towards myself also towards my thoughts also towards my ego um but it can backfire because if you cling to it too hard 
you might be offended. Like if I, for example, don't manage listen one time to a person and my ego says, uh, but you're a good listener. I immediately have a conflict there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, so ego would be like a construction, yeah. like a, like a something that you build up in your mind about yourself, maybe even what you believe and mm -hmm. what kind of a person you are. But what's beyond it? Mm. What is the self beyond the ego? What would mm. you say about that? <laughs> I know, I know. This this whole conversation and the the topics are you know hard to you know put in the words. I think, yeah. but you know, give me your best shot. <laughs> okay, my best shot. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of. I would say it's kind of everything because once you get out of this ego, you're you just realize that you're in contact with everything around you and that um like everything you perceive is also in your brain, for example. You could take this perspective and your body is not disconnected from the world, but it creates the world around it and um is also created by the world. So there's a huge sense of interconnection. And it's just a wonderful feeling being in touch with this and being the container rather than being in what's in the container, which is also sometimes necessary. But um, yeah. mm -hmm. how would you actually? Um, that's an interesting thought. How would you define like the need for being the container mm -hmm. and being the content? <laughs> like, uh, when would you need to be one or the other? Oh, I think. That's a quite a broad question, and I think it's really individual also. Um, but if you fa if you have a really hard time, like let's say um, your friends don't like you anymore, and some of your relatives died at the same time, like maybe it's good to have a belief system there. Maybe it's good to have a certain thing that you can hold on to because it might guide you through this hard time. Um, that's just an idea of mine. Um, but usually I prefer, <laughs> I prefer, which is my ego. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like being the container, because even if you have a hard time, you can just be true to yourself and give space for that pain and all that stuff. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, well, you know, um, you were saying, or like we discussed, that the life is... Uh, you know, series of challenges. Like there are, mm -hmm. there are always things that are not gonna go your way, and sometimes it gets gets really tough. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you might just need to have something to, you know, hold on to, in a sense of, yeah. uh, just to you know remain sane. Mm -hmm. I guess not to go, not to lose yourself in the yeah, yeah. in the crisis. And that's um, well, actually that's a like um, a question I wanted to ask you from your you know from your viewpoint as a person, like because we always encounter trauma, and mm -hmm. we everybody has some kind of trauma or burden or uh, traumatic experience or childhood abuse or bad relationship or that mm -hmm. of a loved one or something um what would you in your view uh, what is how can we overcome trauma how can we treat ourselves or help others to recover from like traumatic experience maybe you know maybe from childhood or maybe from something more recent mm -hmm. what do you think well um I think the basic idea that many people have is uh, I have to solve it. I have to travel back in the past and fix it, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is obviously not really possible. So I think um, embracing it, really embracing all the experiences, even the bad ones, um, because they make you who you are. And um, yeah, seeing, see, like watching them as what they are, which is an experience. And you can always create a whole story around it and I'm so damaged and I'm so um, traumatized and I'm suffering so much. But in fact, this is normal. This is a normal part of, of being, a normal part of human existence. And maybe it helps to see it like this and not seeing um, yourself as isolated 
uh, and as an isolated being that is suffering, maybe seeing the connection to other people and talking about it, of course, like um, being empathetic towards others and also take the courage and really go out there and tell it other people and see what's happening, which is not always going well. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. say that, but still, I think it's, it's the only thing you can do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were talking about like embracing it. Mm -hmm. What about in a situation when the person is just so much in pain, mm -hmm. like they they just can't see anything but their pain? Yeah. What could help them? How, what could they do? Mm. Yeah, it depends what kind of pain it is. Is it this pain which is like inevitable, like the pain which is part of human existence, or is it the pain caused by the mind which is over exaggerating the problem and getting making it bigger than it is like which kind of pain do you mean mm -hmm. well if if we were talking about a person with like a like PTSD like mm -hmm. post traumatic uh, stress disorder like they've had like a really um maybe they've seen something that just haunts them at night they mm -hmm. can't sleep like a war veteran or or um maybe they had a shock in the childhood when mm -hmm. They lost a parent or significant other or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think? How can we uh, how can we help people who are suffering from like a really severe trauma? Um, there, I can like just talk about my own experience. I think because as a psychologist, I'm not so far yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not like an expert in this. Um, but personally. Um, I lost two people which were really important for me, like they died. And um, what helped me was at first being isolated was what helped at first. It may sound strange, but also um, give yourself the time you may need to go back, like maybe spend some time in your bed or do stuff that's important to you or um, all that kind of things and, and not thinking that you're not worthy or that you're wrong or stuff like that, which might take you further away from, from other people. Um, but then at the same time, like being kind to yourself and, um, um, and giving yourself the space that you need, but also reaching out for other people. I think even if you are in pain, because as I said, like pain is like a part of human existence Our culture tries to hide it, but it's there. It's in everybody. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we we tried we try our best not to show it. <laughs> we try our very to, best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was actually an, uh, that's something I want to ask you more about. Like, how significant do you think the um, like the self image that you hold? Mm -hmm. How important is that for well being? I think it's really important. Like, for example, there are some stud studies about self efficacy. So, if you believe that you can do something. Or if you don't believe that you can do something, and there's a lot of evidence to, if you believe you can do something, that yourself can do something, you're much better able to do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think from the feedback that you get from the outer world and from what you think about yourself and um, having a positive sense of self is, I think, really important. Which is also paradoxical to spirituality because there they say like, um, yeah, like a, a high self which is like um, very powerful and is always winning. It's just the one side of the medal and you will also lose and you will also be below self. Like, and I think yeah, being open towards both of them is quite important and just seeing them as, as, as what mm. they are. Yeah. Mm. Maybe mm. seeing like the potential of yourself being whatever you want to be, but yeah. still exec expect, uh, accepting that uh, it's life and you're mortal and you know limited in some in certain sense mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that is very very great mm -hmm. um what about this um you know we've been talking about science and spirituality but what about religion mm -hmm. um, how how do you see it in well let's start with the um Academia, mm -hmm. is there a place for religion? Like, um, is it just something that you can study on, or is there more to that? Like, you must have like, uh, well, what do you think? Religion and and the academia. Mm, well, yeah, I think 
depends on the person, really. I think many researchers are like, only what we can observe and stuff. And they say religion is shit. We don't need it anymore. We're going to develop a nice scholarly society, which is based on knowledge, and we make a perfect world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you have other researchers, which are maybe more open towards it, and at the same time, also more critical towards the scientific approach. So... In my experience, there's a lot of space in academia for spirituality and nowadays, and for religion, maybe less, I think. I think mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people from psychology who meditate and stuff, but not so many people who would say, hey, I'm a Christian or hey, I'm a Buddhist or something like this. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, this is, I think, very important for you to explain as well. This this um, difference between religion and spirituality. Mm -hmm. What are those two things? Because mm -hmm. we were talking about the spiritual practice, like yeah, that's one thing. But how does a religious and spiritual practice? How are they interconnected, or are they totally separate? What's the difference? Um, I think nowadays this difference is getting more and more important. Kind of. Uh, for me, religion is always born to some kind of set of beliefs and also to um, an institution like the church or like monasteries or whatever. And spirituality is kind of, I would say, everybody has it. Um, and everybody deals with their own thoughts and with their own mind and emotions. And that's the key difference that I would point out. Yeah. Hmm. So would you say spirituality is something that is personal and fundamental and religion would be something that's more institutional? Well, it's Or, also hard to say. I think religion can also be quite personal. And um, for example, I also would get offended if somebody would like talk bad about religion, like in a really, yeah, in a, in a bad way or something like that. So... Mm -hmm. It's kind of intertwined. It can also not be really separated because you have spirituality within religion. For example, if like a crisis practicing prayer and you have also religion inside spirituality because, um, um, yeah, if you have like a person you look up to like Buddha or somebody, um, which would make the thing a bit more religious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's mm -hmm. really nice. So... What about the, uh, you were saying we mean that the the difference between religion and the spirituality should be, or that we need to know which is which. Mm -hmm. So, you know, world has changed a lot in the past hundred yeah. years. If, if we think about how religion is involved with how we view ourselves and how we, make decisions mm -hmm. but what do you think is the is the appropriate place for for religion in today's world mm -hmm. or how because you know as you said you don't want anyone to you know hear bashing on any specific religion and i also think that it's it's really ignorant to mm -hmm. you know throw everything related to that away so what would be the place of like I think, you know, science and the rational thinking and, you know, we have this research and we can quantify this, mm -hmm. we can quantify that. So where should, if we think about this trialogue of religion, science, mm -hmm. spirituality, um, do you think there's like a place for every everything like in, in what we should um, use in our, to formulate our self-image or mm -hmm. who as we people what what are we or what is our place yeah um i think there is a place for everything like um we kind of also already talked about like science and spirituality like that spirituality is maybe about developing an, a kind heart and fostering mental health and science can give us all the external factors like we that we have enough food and stuff and um religion is also important because um, it's not necessarily bad that it's um, institutionalized, I think, because it gives a lot of, gives a space for people to come together and to practice together. Um, like, for example, I do meditation practice every morning with a Skype group. So I get up really early and I sit with them for one hour, which is great for me. And which is maybe more an 
Yeah, the aspect which is not only dealing with my own consciousness, but also relating to others in a more institutional way, which would be religious. So I think there um, there is space for it. Um, and, and now in today's world, of course, in, in, in times of terrorism and stuff, it's always critical to talk about it. Um, but um, y you also have all these scandals like in church and also in Buddhism and uh, all, yeah. Not everything is great there. You hear my voice is getting a bit more mm -hmm. emotional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it can be a place for people to learn, um, to be kind to each other, to learn, to listen, to learn, to be there, to learn how it is to be human and how to have emotions and how to have all these thoughts. And yeah. 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 I think it's important that you mentioned about the, the, um, the radical, Yeah. like side of religion and how it kind of like people are afraid of it because of it i think mm -hmm. and and i think there is even a, a certain agenda agenda trying to make it so that there is more conflict and mm -hmm. people might be more afraid of someone or something but me personally i i also agree that you know not all of the institutional aspects are bad. Mm. You know, you can't just say that everybody involved in this are fanatic or evil or very narrow-minded. You know, I met people who are very religious and they, mm. they subscribe to a certain, <laughs> certain religion yeah. and they, they are like the most, you know, wholehearted people that I've met. Mm. And then I've met people who are, just you know out of it like they're <laughs> religious and they say that you know i follow this teaching and whatever and then they are like mm -hmm. totally lost mm -hmm. and and not good people and then people who say they're atheists they don't believe in anything and they're like they're great people and you know they they still have like a this value of kindness they understand it and they practice it yeah and then from the other hand you know You, you know, you can't really uh, judge anyone when they say that I'm this or I'm that. Yeah, it, yeah. it really boils down to what they, what they practice. And um, also I see the value in like uh, uh, certain like traditions mm -hmm. and the value in, you know, for us in the West, we might think that like something, something like, like a, um like a marriage when they have um how do you call it uh arranged marriage mm -hmm. yeah. with certain people and we just think it oh that's so inhumane and i'm not saying that it can't be abused or that there wouldn't be things that are really messed up and not like good for every everybody mm -hmm. involved but then also like the um The value of it, I think there can be things that can be learned from it, and when it's done with like treated with proper respect mm -mm. and and um, uh, dignity, I think those things can be really, really beautiful and valuable as well. Yeah. But it's you know really hard to to be general in this sense because yeah. it or yeah. you shouldn't be. One shouldn't be general when t talking about this because there is so much variety yeah, yeah. In, in all of all of this. But you said you meditate in a Skype group. Mm. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Uh, well, I like two weeks ago, I attended the Zeshin, which is like a Zen Buddhist. You just meditate a lot. You get up at four and then you go to bed at nine in the evening. And during that time, I just really sit a lot and do more walking meditation, a bit of yoga and compassion meditation. And um, that's where I met all these really great people. And after that meeting, we talked and they invited me. So now we sit together every morning. Like I said, good motivation to get up early and to get your stuff done in the morning. And um, yeah, it's a bit strange if you have a computer next to you, which is on, and there is this uh, yeah, sound of your computer. And then we also chant together in the end, um, and you heard this, yeah, these voices out of this um, mechanic instrument and this box. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a bit strange, but also it's good to use like 
internet for something which is useful. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess the quantum physics tells that mm. we are all in conne in connection, <laughs> whether we are yeah. separated by the space, we yeah. still are yeah. one in our hearts. And you know, it's also studied that the distance doesn't really matter yeah. when it comes to like uh, mental practices or or intention. And the power mm -hmm. of prayer is is proven in, in the scientific sense as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't devaluate any of that mm -hmm. personally i mean it's probably not as authentic <laughs> or or like original but we're in a new age right mm -hmm. in the age of technology and we get to connect to each other with with this technology which is i think great i mean it's not all great but yeah, yeah. there's it's <laughs> i think that's a cool thing for mm -hmm. sure oh i had a question in mind but i don't know Oh, yes. <laughs> this is what I wanted to ask you. Like, um, if you look at the world and, you know, it's wh whether you look at it from scientific or spiritual aspect, we have a lot of challenges mm -hmm. in our society and how we are as a community mm -hmm. globally. You know, it's not limited to any country or cultural religion or political system or anything. Um what do you think uh where are we going and how can we how can we start facing these challenges because i guess we can agree that there is many things need to change mm -hmm. in order us to have more sane and um society free of free of uh, suffering so what mm -hmm. do you think what is the path i mean I know it's many things, <laughs> but from yeah. an individual level, maybe like for anybody listening to this and maybe thinking and seeing the world as it is, what can we do? What do mm. you think? Well, first thing is, I think that everybody should realize that it starts with you and that there will nobody who will save you. <laughs> and um, I think if everybody could realize that they are that they have responsibility and that they are in charge of themselves and in charge of the whole planet especially nowadays when everything is like interconnected and also seeing that if you start with yourself you make a difference <laughs> um because nowadays when you see there's so many people living there's so much shit happening it goes quite fast that you can lose motivation like if you watch the news every day <laughs> for example so yeah um keep going <laughs> and uh, develop an, like an open heart. I think this is really important. Be open towards influences. Don't blog anything out, even if it's, um, if it's a terrorist <laughs> or something like this. And um, yeah, not being so judgmental is very important, I think, because it can make you blind quite fast and you reduce a whole other human group or a whole human being to a single thought, <laughs> which is really redundant. And um, science plays also a huge role in it. I think on the one hand, it gives us a lot. But on the other hand, I think scientists should be a bit more aware of the ethical side of it. And also the people who develop new stuff, being aware of what it might be used for and I'm also taking responsibility there and not just giving it to the people and then we see what happens because, yeah, I think that can be problematic. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think there, uh, where should we look for morality in mm. science? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, science itself, as it is like this method of observing and, and getting knowledge, has no morality in it, I think. This morality has to come from another place, maybe from spirituality or yeah, from looking for the good for all of us and for all beings and yeah, realizing that we're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think as I mentioned, there is a scientific case for that as well mm -hmm. nowadays. Uh that we in fact are mm -hmm. intimately connected, whether we <laughs> Whether we think, or I think the thing is, we think we're not. You know, <laughs> the mind is saying that yeah, yeah. it's a separation between me and my ideas and yours. But then 
how much we actually have in common mm-hmm. i think would be yeah. a really good place to start with mm-hmm. with uh concerning making the world a better place yeah so okay uh i think the last question for the session mm-hmm. would be something that um you said this change has to come from within has to come from the individual mm-hmm. from you from me mm-hmm. <laughs> from the person um uh, and i wholeheartedly agree with that but what is the thing that makes the best you mm. how do you mean that like uh, like the, how can you be the best version of of yourself like uh-huh. uh what can we do to um i guess um what i guess i don't know if the question is actually a bit paradoxical yeah. what is the good you i guess would yeah, be a, yeah. would be a good you but like uh what would be a starting point for that what what do you think what makes the person something that's um uh, not in the pain mode or in survival or mm-hmm. or egoistic or yeah i think there the most important thing is to being conscious being present being aware of your own conditionings of your own emotional reactions and being aware that even if you might not think that it's in you that you also have hate and anger inside you and that you also hurt other people sometimes and that this is also part of human existence and not neglecting it and pushing it aside and not not talking about it because then i think it becomes unconscious and creates even more suffering from a way where you cannot control it yeah <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so letting go maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh just to go a little further with that is um how to be conscious mm-hmm. how to be conscious like uh as i said earlier that for some people it might be just you know they don't even know but you know if if there is someone who is interested in this doesn't really know quite how to get there mm-hmm. or how to maybe be more aware how mm-hmm. to be more conscious of your thoughts your beings is the meditation the key or what would you recommend for someone who's interested in this how can one study oneself mm. well there are really many ways of studying yourself and first thing i would say uh you have to find your own way also nobody can do that for you <laughs> but it might be a good start just to sit with yourself for five minutes and maybe think about how i'm relating to myself how i'm relating to others or something like this um should just just start somewhere maybe with a little with a little habit like i started with um remembering my day and going back in my day that was the first little positive habit every time i go to bed i would remember my day and what happened from a non-judgmental perspective like and um yeah i do this like for three years now <laughs> almost and it really it really helped to improve and to look at things like as they are and without this self-judging and this other judging and yeah but you have to find your all single habit maybe it's meditation maybe it's yoga maybe it's playing piano or playing an instrument or just talking to people about what matters maybe it's um asking your friends if they want to go to lunch with you or doing some sports um can be anything but every every one of those things can also be something to avoid yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, it depends um yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess you would have to have the uh the curiosity mm-hmm. and you would have to actually have the authentic will to learn yeah. about yourself yeah. and not to not to close your eyes from it and i think what you said about the habit mm-hmm. is about it is about i think largely about creating a new habit yeah. yeah and and that i think is probably the challenge number one mm-hmm. if you really if you feel like you're off and you're not really in contact with yourself or mm-hmm. in connection or you feel like you're not you know something is not working i think the first thing is would be just to take a step back and kind of look at what yeah. you're doing yeah. your patterns and then just trying to 
start a new one. Because yeah. I don't I don't think we can really store, stop our habits, mm-hmm. but we just have to create better ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a funny topic. Like some people say you can like decrease your negative habits as well, like and develop positive habits at the same time. Um but yeah, maybe you first have to realize that you're not in control, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I think, really important because you cannot control, you cannot even control your own behavior. <laughs> uh, which is oh, really shit. funny. <laughs> yeah, like, then you control, try to control the whole world, which is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess that's that's what we are. Yeah. That's how difficult it is. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for this talk. Is there yeah. anything you want to add in the end? Maybe send greetings <laughs> <laughs> to the listeners or your parents? Or Yeah, good idea, actually. Maybe my friends from Germany, Pia, mm-hmm. Julian, and Selina. And um, maybe my dad. He doesn't speak English, so I think he won't listen to that. <laughs> but you can But, say it off Deutsch also. Yeah. Liebe Grüße, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. that's greetings to Germany. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh thank you very much for this conversation. Yeah, I had a really you. good time and I'm I'm hoping that people out there get some value out of this. Mm-hmm. I I think it was a good talk. We went from a, a quite variety of things and ideas. But yeah, I had a really good good time. So Anybody out there listening to the Feel Alive podcast, I hope you're feeling more alive than you did before. And this is Eto Karjoja. And uh, until the next time, see you uh, in a week's time or so. Until the next time, Inglakesh.